0: Good morning, church family. So I guess we're doing this, huh? Is this really happening? <laughs> I keep asking myself that. It's like, oh, maybe they're playing a joke on me. No? Okay. All right. All right. I'm serious. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I know what you're thinking. Isn't that the guy that just mows the lawn outside? Or the commercial fisherman that kills fish for a living? Lord, <laughs> the farmer that's up there planting crops? No, I know. That's not what you're thinking. That's what I've been thinking, kind of going over this. Like, really, Lord? Me? I can do this? Just, I'm just a simple guy, and uh, I'm just blessed he's able to work through me. And I just want to share with my testimony with you guys today that uh, God can work amazing miracles in your life, as he done in my life. He can work through you for other people's good and for his good. So, uh, just pray for me today as we go through this. And, uh, this is my first time obviously presenting up here. So we'll see how it all goes. But, uh, I just want to do one more quick prayer before we get started. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm just, uh, so thankful and so blessed that we can come before you, Lord, and just, uh, know that you can do amazing works in our life, Lord. You can do an amazing work and already done an amazing work in my life and blessing me with three little kids and an amazing wife, Lord. And ask this not to just be my story, Lord, but your story as I present this today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So, um, So, I was about 19 years old, about 2007. I started to get to know this really awesome girlfriend of mine. And, um, I really wanted to try hard to impress her, so. I was a big backpacker, a big outdoors person, and um, so I wanted to take her on a backpacking trip. So I got everything ready. Me and my older brother Chris, we always would go backpacking together. My mom was really a big influence on going outside and camping. We just me and my brother would go for weeks and weeks. We'd go out backpacking. So I'm like, I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna impress this girl. She's really awesome. She means a lot to me. So I know how to do this. I know how to take care of things. So I got some. Crude maps, I don't know if you've ever been backpacking, there's topo maps that'll show you the geography of the area. Well, I didn't get one of those maps. I found this uh, map, you know, out of a store, and uh, I was going to go to this area uh, south of Santa Maria out of Las Olivas, and there's a mountain up there called Mount Figueroa. Never been to the area, but I got these maps, I'm like, hey, I know where we're going, you know, I could see see which way to go. So we loaded up our gear, and I wanted to press this girl, she'd been something really amazing to me. And so I packed as much things as I could in this pack. I had a big dinner planned, all the fancy comforts of backpacking, and I kept loading and loading, putting, putting more weight on me, and we had two dogs going with us, too. So I was loading the dog's pack and loading her pack. And so we took off. We went driving up there, and uh, we started at the top of Mount Figueroa. And um, basically, when we got up there, there was no trailhead. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. My map says that there's a trail that should be right here down the backside of the mountain. I'm like, all right, oh, well, we'll just we'll just go down this way anyway, and uh, we'll make our way down. So we start going, pushing through brush, and she's still sticking with me, you know, the whole time. <laughs> so we're pushing through brush. We get down, we get down. Finally, we get down to the bottom. It was a long descent. And we get down to the bottom, and there's a road. We're like, wait, so you could drive down here? And we go around the corner, and uh, come to find out there's a campsite right there. And there's people just pulling up their cars and starting the campsites, setting up their campsites. I'm like, oh, boy, I made a mistake. We should have started down here. Now we're at the hike all the way back up. I'm like, oh, oh well, it's okay. So we kept going. And then right after that, we found the trailhead. So there's a creek to cross. So we, I'm like, okay, you know, we're going to have to take our boots off, you know, really good impressions. <laughs> so we got our boots off. We pull our pants up. And we start trying to cross this creek, holding the gear above our heads, helping the dogs Get across and um, I set my boots on the other side and uh we're putting our gear back on and I go to grab my boots and right next to my boots was a rattlesnake. And I'm like, oh man, this is a good so I didn't say anything, right? I'm like that's not that's not a good way to start this this trip of pressing her off. So I didn't say anything. So I got my boots on and we start heading down the trail and all of a sudden you can hear again just wrestling in the bushes, wrestling in the bushes as we go. And this is a burn zone, so it's really exposed and hot. And, uh, she, you know, she, my girlfriend was asking, what, what's that? What is that noise in the bushes? I'm like, oh, you know, it's it's crickets, you know, just crickets, grasshoppers, no big deal. But what really was happening is there's rattlesnakes every way along the bushes. And I'm trying to keep the dogs close to me so nothing bad happens. You know, that's the last thing I wanted to happen. But, uh, you know, she bought it amazingly <laughs> so we and then when I was deciding on the trail we were going for a three or four day hike and uh, you could have followed the river the whole way it would it took us an extra day to get where we were going but uh, I didn't really want it to be that hard I wanted to get to the destination quicker so there was this other route to go through this valley to get us to White Ledge uh, mountains where we were going and it would save us a day so I'm like okay great Let's go up this valley. It's, you know, it's got an old rickety falling down sign. I'm like, we'll just save a day. We'll go up this valley. It'll be fine. I got this. So we start heading into this valley away from this flowing river. And uh, it, like I said, it's a burn zone. It was hot. Um, and people started peeling off. But the dogs were panning. They were going to shade. So, okay, I'm, I'm like, all right, got to take the dog packs off. So I put the, packs, the dog packs on me. And then uh, my girlfriend, she's fading. You know, she's trotting like, "Oh, where we're we going?" I'm like, "Okay." And so I'm like, "Oh, I'll help you out. You know, we'll—I'll put your pack on the front. So I'll wear a backpack right here, or a pack back here. I'll stack the dog packs on the back. You know, it's okay. I got this. We're gonna have a great time. This is gonna be so much fun." So we're getting up in this creek, and there's supposed to be a creek the whole way we're following because water is pretty important, and um, there is no water to be found. And we're going further and further and further in this canyon. And the trail's getting more and more and more overgrown as we're going. And I'm getting, I'm starting to fall down too. Get tired. I got way too much weight on me. We're running out of water. I'm like, oh boy, how am I going to recoup this? I can't, you know, I don't want to lose this girl. She's super important to me. <laughs> so um, we stopped. We kind of started getting weary off the trail. I started. I couldn't pick up where we were going, so we found this one trickle of water out of the whole stream, where it just slowly started trickling out. So I'm like, okay, let's stop. We'll get some water. I'm gonna go ahead with my dog, and we're gonna. I'm gonna try to find the trail and which way to go. So that's what we did. Sabrina, or my girlfriend, (laughs) stayed there, and um, so I went on ahead. I got enough water for me to just keep going on ahead try to find the trail, and as I kept going and kept going, I just couldn't pick up the trail again. It had not been used in a long time. Like I said, it was a burn zone. So I got further and further up the trail, and I'm like, okay, I saw this, this peak that I wanted to go to the top of to get a good lookout. So I ran to the top of this peak, me and my dog, and uh, right when I got to the top, that's when dehydration started setting in. Um. I scrambled to the top, and right when I got to the top, I couldn't see where I was going. I couldn't tell where I was at, and all I needed knew I needed some water really bad. I started, you know, having hallucinations, really, really bad dehydration. I don't know if you guys ever, hopefully never had the chance to do that, but it could get really scary. So on the other side of the mountain after that, I saw a pool of water underneath a tree. And I'm like, oh, man, I need to go get a drink. That looks really great. So I go down the other side of the mountain, not the way I came, and get down to the bottom. It is not a good pool of water. And that is the only option I had. And the dog's drinking out of it. I put my shirt off and just got as much water out of their filter as I can. I was just, I was a mess. I was a wreck. So I got a little bit of water out of there. I'm like, okay. And I look back up. I'm like, I'm not heading back up there. I'm going to, this is not ending good. I'm getting myself in such a bad situation You know, um, my girlfriend doesn't know where I'm at. She doesn't know what she's doing. This is her first time out there. I got to get back to her as quick as possible and get back to that water because I'm, you know, I'm getting worse and worse and worse conditions. So as I start heading down, um, I just kept heading down to that, that where that water was at, kind of trying to get back to where she was at. And um, as I'm getting closer and closer, I'm getting just more and more and more dehydrated. I can't hold any fluids down. I'm hallucinating, like I said. i was just draining all my energy, just getting sick and getting sick. And um, we kept seeing rattlesnakes everywhere. And I was just, and as I got closer, I could hear her screaming for me, my name. And I couldn't speak. I couldn't talk. I was so bad dehydrated. I couldn't yell out, nothing. So I'm going up and over these canyons, up and over and up and over. And I can still hear for like 20 minutes screaming for me. I'm like, oh boy, this is not ending well. This is not how I do this. This is not how I press this amazing girl that I met. And uh, so I finally reach her, and I still can't talk. I'm so far dehydrated. I'm getting so sick. I can't even say what happened. And she took me into the tent. She already had the tent set up right there, the where the water's coming out. She, she got me into the tent. She got me a little bit of water, and I just fell asleep. Like I was. She didn't know what was happening. Like I was just sick. I was tore up. And she just kept fed me water. We stayed there that night, and I I finally got my bearings again. Woke up that next morning, and I'm like, man, I'm sorry. I tried so hard to impress you, but I just, everything went wrong. And she was just so humble and uh, nice. And I'm like, you know, well, this is basically a lost trip. We need to head back to where we came. We're not going to be able to head up this canyon. We need to go back to where we came in the river, right where that campsite is at, and uh, figure out what we need to do. So that's what we did. We headed back that day. All that weight, all that packs, all that food we brought, we just hiked it right back out. And we got back to the cross of the creek and we just decided let's just go home. This is just a lost cause. So we crossed over the creek and remembering that we trailblazed basically down this mountain. We're going to have to hike all the way back up to get the truck with all this weight. And I was just still not doing so good. So I got to the campsite. We got the dogs, set down. We're just drained, all of us. We just like beat up from one day in the woods. And um, I start asking all the campers around there. I went to each camper and each camper. And I'm like, please, we need your help. My girlfriend, she's exhausted. I've just gotten super dehydrated out there. We just, you know, had a gnarly experience. Can somebody please drive us up to our, get my truck and I'm going to come down here and I'll pick our stuff up. And I went to five or six different campers, and nobody wanted to do it. There was nobody's, nope, nope. Kept getting turned down and turned down and turned down. And so I walked back over to my girlfriend. I'm like, well, I guess I'm just going to, you know, walk up the mountain myself. Or maybe we'll just stay here tonight. I don't think I have the energy. And we're sitting there, and we're just devastated. We're like, oh, man, I was bummed. I really wanted to make a good impression. Then it didn't end up the way I wanted it to be. And... um at that point, a guy pulls up in a truck, and we didn't say anything. I was just, you know, oh, well. And this old man gets out, and he's like, hey, how are you guys doing? We're like, well, we just had the craziest event. And he just starts picking up a pack for us and puts it in the back of his truck. He's like, well, you guys need a ride. I'm like, no way, yeah. We totally need a ride to the back up to the top of the mountain. He's like, sure. Get your dogs in here. You know, get your girlfriend in the truck, let's go. And then we started driving up there and just started talking with this guy who was just a really awesome, really loving guy. He drove us all the way up to our truck. It was like 30 miles around the whole mountain, way out of this guy's way. But he was so excited to help somebody. And I believe on that day, that wasn't just a man. It was just God working through somebody that brought us to the top of the mountain. And it's so many times and through this story and through my life that it's, you, you know, that time when you need him the most, God shows up. When you're lost all hope, he comes there and picks you up and he'll take you to the top of the mountain himself. And I just want to share with you guys. All that and how he's done that throughout my life and all these journeys that we've been on and uh, the way he's led me up to this stage right here right now, it has all been him and I just have been along for the ride. So, yeah. But um, I was born and raised here in San Luis Obispo County. I was born in 1987, so I'm 33 years old. Um, and basically was in, raised in a pretty normal childhood, um, I had three older brothers, a stay-at-home mom. She worked from home in a floral business, and my dad was a, uh, a police officer, St. Luis Obispo County. So there's me as a young boy, my three older brothers. Um, my middle brothers were twins, so my oldest trained them on how to pick on me and throw panks, so I got the short end of the stick, got really picked on, and, uh, Later in life, it made me, uh, I was thankful for it, it made me a lot stronger. But uh, <laughs> um, I was also, you know, raised in a Christian family. That was really huge and important for me. My mom, my grandma, they were really a uh, big Christian influence in my life. We would go to church almost every weekend, every Sunday. Um, I got involved in tons of programs. Uh, Awanas was a program down at our church that was... Uh, 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 scripture reading and, you know, just kind of like a Pathfinders or like a book, uh, Boy Scouts would be. So I would really, uh, love going there, uh, memorize Bible verses, we get badges. And then every winter and summer, they would ship me off to Bible camps. You go, I'll go to Hume Lake and, uh, Camp Good News in Lopez. And, um, that really original upbringing now looking back is what made me who I am today, is when these challenges that I'm going to speak with you today came up, I knew who to turn to. I had this extreme team Bible that was all tore up and had duct tape all over it. I'd bring it in my backpack with me everywhere. And uh, whenever I had a moment, I would go through that Bible. And uh, really, that relationship in beginning when I was a kid really kind of led me to rely on Jesus throughout my whole life. So, um, but the all, you know, all was good, uh, and basically after all that too, I got into, I was a musician, so I was, uh, I would go every week in practice, I played the oboe for the San Luis Obispo County Honor Band, I was in my school's bands, I played the saxophone. So I was really on a really good path for success. And I want to share something, too, today that was kind of personal to me and to my family. But around eighth grade, my parents um, decided to get divorced. And it was a really tough time for me because in eighth grade, I'm getting ready to go into high school. And it was just so hard for me. But it's amazing the way that God can work um, through even bad circumstances. Um, uh, he can make good things happen. And um, so I also wanted to, I uh, forgot to add this, but train up a child in Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And I find that so true today. You know, when these, like I was saying when these challenges come up, I'm so blessed and so thankful that my parents took the time to put me in these programs, even though sometimes I was probably reluctantly to go. I would wiggle around in church like uh My little ones do today, but um, I know that I heard some amazing things through that childhood. So I'm super thankful for that. But also, getting back to uh, the divorce, um, I'm really, actually now, I'm actually thankful for it. I'm glad that happened because this relationship, my father being uh, working for St. Louisville Sheriff's Department had a really tough job. And he would come home and be pretty strict, hard father. You expect the best out of us. And I didn't really, as a young boy, you don't hear with that. All these groundings and, you know, discipline, um, it makes you really upset with him. But as that started to unfold, and my dad would sat me down to talk to me about what's going to take place. And uh, after that day happened, My dad would take me to school every day, and uh, he started just breaking down in front of me. And he told me that um, he never wants to stop telling me how much he loves me. He's like, I'm sorry for all these years that i never said that every day. But he's like, every single day, I want to tell you how much I love you, Matt. I love you, I love you, I love you. That's what made me think of this here how how amazing love is in 1st Corinthians 13:13 13, 13, Now abide in faith, hope and love. These three but the greatest of these is love. After that whole situation went down with my family I really found out that my dad wasn't being so hard on me because he was hated me. My dad loved me so much. And with challenges in raising kids sometimes I feel like I can be hard but Really, and our even our Father in Heaven can be hard on us sometimes too. But really, it's all out of love, and uh, that's what really changed changed me from then on. Is uh, just knowing that my Father really does love me was a big, a big deal for me. So, but, since, but as I grew, went into high school, I really started did slip away. Um. I, you know, I went to my mom's for two weeks and my dad's for two weeks. So I had an opportunity to get into the wrong, uh, uh, friends and got into riding motorcycles. And more and more I got to start hanging out with these friends of mine. I stopped going to practice my instruments. Going to band class wasn't cool. Um, so I started riding motorcycles. I started, um hanging out in that crowd. We would go down to Mexico and uh, do racing in the um, uh, Baja 1000 and just do so much things that I regret down there um, being young and being just full of pride. And uh, I wanted to share this picture with you that kind of just sums it all up of who the guy I used to be. That was me in the middle and my two buddies on prom. I was so full of pride and thought I was so cool that I didn't, I, you don't notice me in a prom outfit. I didn't go to prom. My girlfriend went with my buddy Nick because he didn't have somebody to go with. I was too cool for that and I just thought, you know, I could, you know, I could just, uh, I don't need to be a part of that crowd. I don't need to have that special moment. So what I did that night is I went and set up the party for after prom. And in setting it up, I got so intoxicated, I passed out and didn't have any time with anybody there. And I really look back to that and I see this picture and I'm like, man, I can't believe that the Lord has been drawing this guy to make me who I am today. And he could do it in anybody's life. So um, so during all that commotion i did start meeting my wife is now sabrina and i think you guys got a hint from that last that first story she was the girlfriend i was trying to press on that backpacking trip and uh so we started d- uh, dating um right after high school we dated for uh three to four years and um you know, we really got to know each other very good. Had a lot of really good times. Fell in love in going down these dirt roads and going on our motorcycle, my motorcycle, and uh, just uh, enjoying being outside in God's creation. And uh, Sabrina never had an upbringing like that chance like I did as uh, growing up in a Christian family. So I would start, we would start going to church every now and then with my mom, and uh, in, in that time out of high school. And then uh, we just kept growing closer and closer together, but uh, little did we know there was a big challenge ahead. One day I was sitting at, I uh, worked at a machine shop, and um, I was sitting around with a good friend of mine and the boss, uh, Pablo, and uh, we're sitting there having lunch, just talking, and then I get this phone call. And uh, so I answer it, and on the other line... There's Sabrina, and she's telling me you wouldn't believe this, but I'm expecting. And immediately, apparently, my face went white. And the owner, Pablo, he started busting up laughing, and he looks at me, he's like, You just found out you're having a kid, didn't you? And I'm like, Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> so I I walked away for a second and I talked to Sabrina. I'm like, It's gonna be okay, we can do this together. And then that whole um, the whole childhood of upbringing and raising your child up in the right way, all that stuff started kicking in. When I started seeing that challenge of, I'm 21 years old, how am I supposed to raise a child when I'm a child? Or I'm into all these bad things. How am I supposed to do this? So I started turning back and opening up His Word, which I knew so long ago um, to that really helped me out through my childhood. So I started opening up the word and started just reassuring Sabrina that I'll, I'm here. Let's do this. This is a blessing from God. Um, so not too far after that, we were, I was blessed with my first son. You can see me as a young man and that's Gunnar John born, um, in 2010 in San Luis Obispo. And, uh, I was just, uh, pretty nervous on that day. My legs were buckling and shaking. I kept shaking the hospital bed. And um, and that's just a moment that really churned in my life. It's amazing what these kids can do to make you, put you on the right path and what God can do through these kids. And they've really been a lifesaver for me because who knows where I would have kept going if uh, Gunner wouldn't have came into my life. So we uh, moved out. We were living with um, three of my uh, friends from high school. So we moved out. We got our own place in San Luis. Um, I started working two jobs. I was working nights and days. And uh, that's where we started really um, getting into gardening and um, getting into growing our own food and kind of realizing that we want to do the best with for our kid. So we started growing our own food, having our garden, living sustainably, and I really started learning about all the things that are in our food and in, uh, you know, the unhealthy things about it. Not only that, I started really getting into prepping and conspiracies. I started just diving into all this knowledge and history about the way our countries run, Uh, what's, you know, like I was saying, what's in our food and then what's going to happen next. I would stack up bags of beans and rice and have it all in the sun. I'm like, honey, we're ready. We're good to go. If anything goes down, I can take care of us. We can do this, you know? And there was that pride that, uh, really kind of tarnished my relationship with him. And I wasn't really relying on him, on Jesus. I was relying on my own, uh, my own ways to take care of us. So with that and with that mindset, um I'd really yeah, so at that house in San Luis, um we were really thankful to have just such a nice situation to have Gunner and be born into and um it was during the drought uh that we had not too long ago. Um so that well ended up drying up and then um we had to basically leave. We got a sixty day notice. From that um, that rental, and so it was a huge time for us. just going out and looking at what 's available for us was really hard for us to find a place that would be you know adequate for my family with our finances and um, all that. so we were actually able to secure a place up here in Paso, and uh, that was a huge answer to prayer. Um, we got a bigger house. Room to grow in and, and everything that uh, uh, we really wanted and we're actually were praying for. Um, because we started going back to church, my local church, uh, when I was raised at in Pismo, New Life Church. We started kind of going back through there. And I remember Sabrina was really loving that church. And she ra- wrote in her prayer journal the same exact house he provided for us here in Paso. So that was a huge blessing. So what we did at that house is on 40 acres, so we doubled the size of our garden. We got uh, uh, even more chickens, uh, more produce growing, and everything was so good, going so right. I had a really good job up here at another machine shop. And uh, so we started thinking, like, maybe maybe we should start adding another child into this, you know, since we have a, a, a place to take care of them. And so we started uh, trying to have another child, and it took a long time, about two years for us to really have another child. And we were uh, totally blessed to have Laurel come into our lives around that time in Paso, which was uh, super awesome. There she is, (laughs) holding her. and um, So all was going good. We had uh, Laurel there. And we have a beautiful house, wonderful job. And then um, we started to, uh, we would go out, you know, do things. And Sabrina, you know, she wants to go do this uh, Vine Street Christmas Parade in Paso. So I don't know if you guys have ever been to Vine Street. A lot of our church members go there and they'll pass out stuff. You know, little pamphlets or books, everything. But uh, with me, I'm not a really good crowd person. And now I have a little gunner running around and Laurel in a cart. And that place is packed with people and pushing the cart through. And I get anxiety like we're going to lose Sabrina, we're going to lose Gunner. And I'm just not in a good mood, right? <laughs> so I'm pushing through that crowd and I'm like, okay, we need to get home. Let's leave. We're done. We've seen it. We did it. All right. <laughs> and um, so as I'm pushing through that crowd, Somebody shoved this book in my face. And he's like, are you realize there's a war going on? And I was into conspiracies and all that stuff. I'm like, brother, you know it. I got my food ready. I can grow my own food. I got chickens. I got a spot in the woods picked out. Like, let's go. Like, we got this. <laughs> and he's like, wow. And uh, can I come over and see what you're doing? And I'm like, yeah, totally. So we got my number right there. And this was a gentleman from this church that was only here for a while. His name was Robert Zeravica. He was only here for a couple years. But God used him to draw me out of that crowd. When I was in a grumpy mood, when I didn't want to be there, and still God worked through him. And God drew me near through that situation. So it was really amazing to have him come over to my house and just talk to us. See what we needed. And it was like, wow, that's really neat. And then, so he's like, well, you guys want to go to church? And I'm like, yeah, totally. We've, we've been looking for a new church since we moved up here. He's like, oh, great. Well, um, we'll see you on Saturday. And I'm like, what? What do you, what do you mean Saturday? And, uh, he's like, yeah, well, we worship on the Sabbath. I'm like, oh, that's weird. What do you, what, what is this church? So I came in here and, uh, met on Saturday, met on Sabbath. And that just started this whole snowball thing where um I came into this church and and just going, Really? Are we really gonna like split hairs here on what the right day is? I mean, come on, is this really that important? And then when I walked through these doors, it was at a time where there's a transition before Zach started coming to this church. And all these elders and church members here really, I was amazed at how everybody stepped up. I was amazed that there was people at the front praying with me, answering my questions. And just, it was just a loving church and an awesome environment. And there was just something about it that I couldn't walk away from. So I kept coming back, wanting to learn more. And then with my background in and, and, finding stuff on the internet, conspiracies and, uh, prepping, I started getting on the internet, reading the Bible, um, listening to sermons by Doug Blatchler, um, just really giving both sides a chance. So, my, my goal was basically, I, I would come home and talk to Sabrina and be like, yeah, I know, you know, they worship on Saturday. I know it's different, but, uh, and then, yeah, you know, I know there's this uh, there's this lady, it's a pro- their prophet is uh, Ellen White. I know, it sounds kind of interesting. I don't know, but I'll just give it a chance. <laughs> and then, you know, we just started talking about all these things. And we're just like, I don't know. But the one thing is true, they they're just a loving people. There's some kind of character that I want to get to know here at this church. So that's what we started doing. We started doing Bible studies. And I started going online and looking at opposite arguments. And really, just God's Word showed to be true. As I looked through His Word, as I did these Bible studies, and as I looked through history of where Christianity has come from, the way it started out with Jesus, and then through all the years, it just changed and morphed into something that it shouldn't have been. And it's just amazing to look through the Bible and look through His Word and find all these truths um, for in your own time. So that's what uh, led me to put this First John 4 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of a God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. That's what I encourage you guys to do test it, test the spirit, test whatever, even what this church promotes. Look to the Word and test it through the Word. And even go, I mean, I would boldly say, go look at the opposition. Because if you're looking at God's Word, it doesn't hold, hold truth, the oppositions. God's Word is truth. And that's what's really just led me to this church. And be amazed that we come together and just open, the, uh, open God's Word and uh, look for truth in our own time. And I just started being really excited about um, knowing this new relationship with our Creator um, and these new found truths in His Word and just the the amazing, amazing, loving uh, connection and relationship that we can have with Him. So um, as I started coming in more and more and more, I really started looking around here and going like, eh, you guys need... Uh, you need some help. There's uh, there's some trees that need to be trimmed and grass that needs to be mowed. And you know, I've been a landscaper for a really long time. And uh, there was a job opening for groundskeeping. So I'm like, you know what? I want to help out. So I took the groundskeeping job, started working here before I got baptized and started helping out and started growing my relationship with you folks here today. And... um, <clears throat> Finally, as uh, God started working on my heart and um, starting to unpack the wrongs I did in my life and asking for forgiveness, asking to make things right, um, I finally uh, asked um, Sabrina to marry me. And so that's where me and Sabrina got married in Paso, and Zach was there to marry both of us, which we're really blessed to have him there. And it was just an amazing time to just finally step into this relationship with my wife and a relationship with Jesus and just commit each other to each other and walk with each other uh, with God by our sides has kept us together for so long. It's just, uh, it was an amazing blessing and we're just super thankful for Zach and Leah um, helping us out with that. But uh, soon after that, I got, uh, um, I was getting more and more and more convicted I was getting more and more in reading, and Bible studies, and uh, I wanted to get baptized. And now, um, sometimes uh, um, I can go. We can intend to go a little quicker than our spouse. We can contend, uh, tend to just be so uh, gung ho about what is right. Um, you're not going to be stopped. So I'm super thankful for um, people learning truth in their own time. And same with my wife, Sabrina. She she wanted to know truth in her own time. And she was like, you know what? I'm not sure if, if if I think this is right that we're going to this church. I don't know. You're going so fast, I can't keep up. And I want to know Him and be baptized in my own time. Not just because you're getting baptized. And it kind of made... It was a tough situation because I was, you know, so firm. I'm like, this is where I want to lead my family. This is where I want to go. This is, you know, the way God's leading this. The truth is here. You you need to look at this. And I was not, I was being super stern with it. It wasn't the best way to go about it. But it kind of caused this little bit of a a divide there, which I was really worried. Like, my Lord, am I really going to, like, split up my family prudentially for this. And I had these thoughts and I talked to some of the elders here too at during I was like, man, when, am I really gonna this far where my wife doesn't want to be a part of this? But, you know, I know now I'm standing in in the truth, in the word. So it was a really trying time, but I decided to go ahead and get baptized. Here it was Zach. And then uh Later on, too, in the story, my wife ended up getting baptized, too. And then that was a super huge blessing. And in her own time, knowing her relationship with Jesus is just that much stronger and bonded us closer together. But soon after I get baptized, um, a lot of times when you're on the right path, um, there tends to be an opposition to that. Somebody doesn't want you there. And I believe there was a real big push in my life to knock me off that path. And um, so right after that, um, we got another 60-day notice from our house in Paso. My landlord showed up to the door and uh, with his wife and gave us the news. And immediately, Sabrina, just like anybody would, started bawling and crying. And I believe it was Jesus' strength in me at that moment. I gave that guy a big old hug because he told me he's, his son's getting ready to have a kid and they're going to need a place to stay. And they're like, Ed, I would do the same thing for my kids. And I gave him a big old hug and they were just blown away. And that was a real awesome opportunity that Jesus did right there. And the only way I could have done that is uh, is getting baptized. When you're freshly baptized immersed in his word praying daily that i could have pulled that off because i wasn't super happy about it but you know i was trying to trust in the lord in this newfound relationship and uh it was just uh, amazing to be able to react like that but the things kept happening you know it wasn't the end right there it uh we started looking at rentals and rentals as you guys know around here are just so high especially when you're trying to raise a family so um I started having this wild idea of like, let's just move into a fifth wheel travel trailer. You know, no big deal. (laughs) So I went ahead and found a place to rent, um, on somebody's property and, um, bought a fifth wheel travel trailer, set it out front of our, our, our old rental. We had to move out in a month or two and, uh, started putting our stuff in there, getting it set up. I'm like, we'll just live in this for a little while. And, uh, We'll just try to make it happen. So another thing that was a shocker to us and was also a huge blessing is during that time when we were setting up the fifth wheel, Sabrina found out something. We're expecting another baby. And just to add to all this stress and all these bad things happening, I'm like, oh, no. Like, how am I supposed to do this now? Like, in a fifth wheel travel chair, that's just pushing it. I don't think I could do that. (laughs) So um, that just added a level of stress during that whole time. And um, the place that I originally got for the fifth wheel, those people backed out and told us we can't stay on this property. So I had basically a couple weeks to go to be out of that house. No place to put my fifth wheel. And I'm giving everything away for free. All my gardening stuff, everything that we done. I'm just having a really tough time and seeing... You know, how, how, God, how are we going to work this out? So as I'm there, uh, giving free things away, um, somebody comes up. This, uh, couple named Dan and, Dan and Kathy that i grew to know. And they could see I was super upset and I just unloaded on them. And I'm like, I just, all this bad thing's going wrong. I don't know what to do. I'm, uh, I'm at a loss. And they're like, well, why don't you move on to our place? I'm like, what? what did you say? It's like, yeah. Come move on to our place tomorrow. I'm like, really? Are you serious? They're like, yeah, come drive out to our place right now and check it out. So I went out to their place. They had only an acre off of uh, Union Road, kind of 46 East. And we moved out there. Um, and they had an acre. It was on a hillside. And the only flat spot was right behind their house, um, seeing out their big window um, at their view and I'm like the trailer is just going to block your guys's view and they're like oh it's fine we don't care we just want you guys to have a spot and i was just blown away about how the lord just like provided that right then and there as i'm unloading all my worries and not having this faith and trust that i should have in him and not be worried he should, he provides those people right then and there to meet that need but consequently they were awesome Loving, great people. They weren't faithful. They weren't religious. But still, great people. I still talk to them to this day. I love those people. They're really nice. But there was a few problems there at that house that I wasn't really agreeing with. But we had a place to live. They didn't charge us anything. They didn't want any money. I helped them fix everything up. Um, So about a month went by, and we're still expecting Baron. A couple months go by. And we get a notice from the county. You can't have a be living in a travel trailer. So here we are again. Another notice. I was just baptized. I just get a new relationship with Jesus. And I'm like, what is going on, Lord? Now we're evicted again. I have a fifth wheel. I got a baby on the way. And I thought, you know, me drawing my relationship with you, re-baptizing just, uh, uh, I thought this was supposed to get better. I thought it was to, everything was supposed to be going right, but uh, um, eventually um, we kept looking around on Craigslist, and uh, we uh, were super blessed, like a couple weeks before we had to move again, we were blessed with a new house, um, the house that we're in now, uh, about a month before Baron was going to be born, we were able to move into that house. So I just uh, want to praise God for right now for doing that for us and continuing to provide for us, um, through these challenges and stuff. And, uh, right after that, this is when this is a picture of Baron, our third and last child. Because now, <laughs> now we are outnumbered. So, um, <laughs> but, um, <clears throat> You know, after all those, uh, trials and, and all that toughness, and finally he was born and God provided for us a house, and it was a really tough time, but I was just so blessed and so thankful for what God provided for us, and I just really needed, needed a break. So what I usually do is, like I said in the beginning, I go backpacking. So I want to hang out into the woods, I want to go spend some time with my brother. And uh, we're gonna go on a nice four-day trip, big high Sierra trip, and I cannot wait to get out there. So this is a couple months after that. Um, so we headed on a four-day trip. We're going out of Kings Canyon. Um, it's Kings is a really deep canyon. We head south up out of there. It's a. Uh, it's about a. a uh, uh, on the first day, is it about a seven thousand foot climb? And. Um, <clears throat> So uh, let's get back to this here, sorry, um, so sorry about that um, so yeah, basically, after all those trials and tribulations, it's just this has just really helped me get through all that in James one, two through four it said, my brother encountered all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, patience that we need. Because at the end, he's going to provide something amazing for us. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You know, it takes a lot of work to produce that kind of faith. And unfortunately for me, I would have to get to a point where that's nothing I can rely on is him. But I want to tell you today, you can have this patience now as you continue to look towards him and pray towards him through everything that you do. You don't have to uh, go through all these tough times. But if you do get yourself into tough times, just know that God will continue to uh, to give you blessings. Anyway, so back to the backpacking trip. Um, we're heading out. Um, uh, it's a four-day trip. And on day one, it's just a beautiful area. Um Day one is about a seven thousand foot climb. The whole loop, the whole trip is about seventy miles. So day one was probably about a twenty mile day, seven thousand feet up, pretty big day. Um, but you know, it's just so good after all that tough time to be out there relaxing and having a great time. Um, day two, um, we went uh, basically. There's pa- this one of the passes are right in front of us there. So day two was up, everything was up over 10,000 feet. We had two passes to go over. Uh, 2 uh, They're over 11,000 feet. A lot of shale, a lot of boulder fields. So it takes a long time to get through that stuff. A lot of hopping around. So um, we get up and over. It takes us all day to get through these passes. And we get to this high altitude lake. And all around it, there's no flat spots um, to camp. So there's only... Uh, one flat spot on the other side of this lake. So we have to start going around this lake. It's getting late. I'm ready to relax. We had a huge day and, um, here I am again just trying, uh, to take my own path and not taking the long route around and, uh, uh, listening to advice that my, uh, brother gave me <laughs> to maybe just slow down and, uh, try to get around. So this is an amazing shot he took. This is actually uh we're trying to cross this snowbank over here to the left. Um so it doesn't look that big right here, but it's uh it's about another thousand feet up to go up and around this snowbank. But I'm looking right here at this small pit, patch of snow right here where I can just skirt just a little bit across that it's a snow you know twenty, twenty-five feet you know, and get onto those rocks and climb up and over, and we'll be ready to uh, camp. No big deal, right? So uh, as we get up to that, my brother's like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, ah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. You know, we got this. So uh, I start getting across it in my poles, and uh, it's not snow. It's ice. So I get in the middle of that, um, and I decide, I'm like, whoa, this is not a good idea. So I go to turn around and subsequently I lose my grip. Slip down, start sliding down that snow embankment. And praise God I steered myself away into the rocks. Because I don't know if you can notice, I would have gone right into the lake if I wouldn't have stopped myself and got got over to the rocks. So I steered myself down to the rocks and my brother runs up he's like, wow, that was a really good save. And I look over and I'm like, nope my shoulder was dislocated subsequently of me reaching back trying to hold myself back and dislocated my shoulder. And uh, so then it got really serious. We're like, oh, boy, we didn't have any satellite phone or emergency thing connection. And um, my brother, who was freaking out, <laughs> I was trying to calm him down because <laughs> he wasn't doing good with this. He didn't know how to pop a shoulder back in. Neither did I. And uh, so we uh, unloaded my pack. We found one flat area behind this rock just for me to lay down. And tr- tried to go to sleep that night and tried the best I could to pop this thing back in myself. And I just could not do it. It was one of the most painful experiences of my life. Trying to sleep or just get through the night um, on this shoulder. So there I am the next day. We got a sling made up. My brother started carrying all my gear and um, I headed back over. It was a two-day trip in, and it was a two-day trip out. Um, so we went back and up and over those boulder fields. Two passes, 11,000 feet. Every step was just pulling on my arm and pulling on my arm. It was just so hard. Every 10 minutes, I would have to stop, take a break, prop it up, even with the sling. Um, it just was grueling. And there I am still trying to make my way to down, hoping for some relaxing time after all this stuff I dealt with. And here I am just had this con- having this conversation with the Lord like, why? Why am I here? After all these things I put up with, with, what is going on? Man, I'm in the woods, my favorite place, and now I've got a dislocated shoulder. What is happening? I thought I did everything right. I thought I was learning all these amazing new truths about you. And, um, I was just, uh, I was just having a really tough time, a really tough time with the Lord. So here we go. We're heading down. This is after day two. I had to stay another night on it. Just grueling, trying to pop it back in myself. I was trying everything, banging against trees, just like anything I could to just (laughs) pop this thing back in. It was rough. But here's the descent you can get it like the car's all the way down at the bottom of that canyon. So I am just trying my best to get down there. And uh it turned for every ten minutes it would turn you know out to just not just resting my shoulder, but just kneeling and praying and just asking for strength um, to have the Lord get me through this. So um as we got down to the bottom, I found the most amazing resting spot for my arm. Oh gosh, that felt so good. Um, so I sat there, uh, this is getting the last stretch to the car, regaining my energy. And, uh, I just really needed that. God provided me that right there just because it was just one last push for a mile to get all the way to the car. And, uh, I didn't stop that whole mile. I just kept going and kept going. I'm like, I want to get to the car. I want to get this over with. And, um, so as we, uh, get to the car, me and my brother were exhausted. I'm like tearing my, you know, getting my stuff off. I'm like, let's go. And as we're pulling up to the, get, we're walking to the car. There's a guy parked next to us, two guys. And they're walking up at the same time. It's like they're coming from this way. We're coming from this way. And uh, um, so I'm taking my pack off. I'm, you know, I'm done. And then um, my brother asked the guys like, hey, do you happen to know uh, if you could, dislocate a, you know, uh, relocate a shoulder. Do you guys happen to know how to do that? And they look at each other and like, uh, yeah, we're actually two ER docs from Fresno. And we're up here taking a day off. And I'm like, what? Really? And they're like, okay, we'll get against the car. And they get, you know, I've been in the woods for two days with this arm, like, stuck to me. And I don't probably don't smell that great. And so they're getting napkins out and they're over there like grabbing me, like, ugh. <laughs> but they got me in the car gets the car, one guy gets on this side, another gets on the side, and like two seconds they just pop it back in. I'm like, whoa, that was awesome. <laughs> it felt so good. Thank you. And they're like, ah, oh, don't mention it, seriously. <laughs> and they hop in their car and drove away. And I'm like, whoa, me and my brother and Chris were just looking at each other like What just happened? That was amazing. Like, God, like, my brother just goes, like, dude, Jesus just healed you right there, bro. And I'm, like, yeah, I've been having this, like, conversation with the Lord, like, all upset, all just, like, just, like, why me? Why, God? Why? And my brother's, like, sitting there telling me, like, dude, Jesus just healed your arm. And I'm, like, yeah, you know. All right, well, I'm just, all these tough times and all these tough times. And like, and he's like, no, man. He's calling his friends. He's like, dude, you want to believe this happened? You know, Jesus healed my brother's arm. It was so crazy. They just drove off. And it was amazing. And then, uh, it was just a huge blessing looking back on that, just being like, whoa. The way God continue to heal us um, at the, you know, end of our journeys was just uh, absolutely amazing the way he steps into our lives. So that's what made me lead me to uh, 1 Peter four twelve through 13 Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. As though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy." I thought it was strange going out there looking for a relaxing time and God is letting this happen to me. I didn't know what to think of it. I was just at a loss for words with Him. But now looking back, God taught me so many amazing things through that trip. Taught me that it takes constant prayer with Him. That relying on Him, I almost want to be at that point not physically, but spiritually. Where I have to take uh, 10 steps and stop and pray. Because I need Him. And um, just knowing the fact that God can continue to just uh, work in our lives. Even if we're stubborn. We just got baptized. We're stubborn. And we're trying to take our own path across this ice. Not going around the long way. Or like in the first story. Where... I should have just followed the river of water. We would have had water to drink right there. Yeah, made it took, took us an extra day, but nothing bad would have happened. And I'm just trying to find this shortcut and when I should just be staying next to the river or taking the way that may look long and just following God and His guidance. But God continues in each of our lives to uh, to lead us, to guide us. And I just wanted to go over to that last verse uh in the slide and expand on James, uh, uh, James 1, 2 through, um, 2 through 6. So my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Man, I need those patience through a lot of those trials. Just to know now that He's healed me after every single one, but let patience have its perfect work, that ye you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach. It would be given, a- and it would be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. So if there's anything I wanted to leave you guys with here today is that as we draw more and more closer to him and pray and go through his word and Bible studies, it might not be the easiest thing all the time to get up in the morning and make that all happen. But he really works in your heart to set you on that right path. So when you fall into various trials, you can have this calmness of heart to know that he's going uh, to end this in an amazing way and it would be a huge blessing. So as I go forward, and, and uh, a lot of you folks have been hearing about the farm projects we're doing up there. That's another journey that he set me on to uh, do something for his, his kingdom. And I, ask, I would implore each one, every one of you, just to ask God what He is putting on your heart to do for Him. Just to go out and do it. Just show up. And just He'll make the rest happen. And uh, with no doubting that God can get me up here today and make this all happen. So I really appreciate you guys listening to my testimony. And just, just end in a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord... I'm so blessed, so thankful that you led me this far, not for my own glory, but for your glory, Lord. And Lord, as we uh, go about this Sabbath day, I just ask you just to continue to pour out your blessings upon each and every one of our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen.